morning. Uh, the title this morning is, What Do We Do in the Wintertime? If you know the TV show, The Game of Thrones, and their last season was The Winter is Coming, I'm going to tell you we're in the winter already. And I uh, tried to introduce to you last week some ideas and some thinking about some things, and we're going to continue that this morning because when you think about what's going on around us in society today, in our culture about us, there are some things that we need to, as Bible believers, as people who understand God's word rightly divided, who, who come along and understand that, you know what, when the roll is called up yonder, let's be there <laughs> instead of here. When we understand the things that, are, that we have in Christ and we begin to learn those things and we let those things grow into us, that when we begin to look around life about us, it can be rather daunting if you're not grounded. And my goal is, as always, is to help get you grounded and help you understand when you look at things in around us what's happening. Romans chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul, starting the great book of Romans, he says in verse 5, "...by whom we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations." For his name, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. And as we look this morning and study and see what's going on about us, that we would do so in, in a, with uh, our eyes and ears open and our hearts open to understand, that we can understand what's happening and we can then understand how to deal with things in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. We started last week talking with you about the sons of Ishakar back in 1 Chronicles 12. And the sons of Ishakar, they had, do you remember the two things that they knew? They knew what? What time it was, what the seasons were, and then they knew what to go do. And you and I need to be that way. We need to understand what's go, what season it is. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Just a little quick review here um, and so forth. I know this is not on your handout, but I reserve the right to depart from the handout when I need to, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 1, Paul says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, and off he goes. You and I, we need to know, come back with me to Genesis chapter 8, we need to know and understand what season we are in right now currently in our life. Um, I'm going to give you some history. Uh, I'm not, I don't like giving history lessons, but I want to give you some history here this morning. And, and that's why on your sheet you'll see spring, summer, fall, and winter laid out there so you can make your notes as you'd like. But just so that you understand, when you see the things that are happening in our country today, okay, whether it's COVID, whether it's Trump being elected president 2016, or whether it's President Obama being elected, or whether it's uh, the riots, and by the way, all the forest fires, they've all linked that to, you know, mystical ooh, stuff. When you see all that, that you, you can stand firmly in who you are in Christ and not be carried away by, Paul says in Ephesians 4, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. <laughs> so you can sit there and say, listen, this is what's going on. This is where I need to be, and let's stay right here. And then you can be, uh, as, that, as that guy in Matthew, build your house upon the rock and not down on the sand shore to be tossed around. 
And that's really my goal this morning with you and in the next weeks here, this next month leading up to the Bible conference in the end of November, okay? In Genesis chapter 8, Paul says, Romans 1 verse 5, that we have a ministry to how many nations? All of the nations. That's different than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry, which was sent to the little flock, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just to Israel. Now Paul says, I have an all-man ministry. I'm to go, we're to go to everybody out there. In Hebrews through Revelation, just by the way, Hebrews through Revelation, now we're back to talking about who? Just the nation of Israel. Today, everybody's favorite book is the book of the Revelation because look at what's going on in the world around us. Can't you see? The sky's falling and this and that and boom and all this stuff. And I'll be honest with you, if a big earthquake happens somewhere on the West Coast, it's going to be, oh my goodness, now we're in Revelation 13. Here it is, boom. And, and you know what happens with the earthquake? Your earth, Romans 8 says that the earth groans. You know what an earthquake is? It's groaning. <laughs> it's stretching out. <clears throat> Don't you groan in the morning? I do. It's just, it's groaning. That's what it's doing. Okay? Anyway, today, Romans 8, or, I'm sorry, Genesis 8. I got to stay on target because I was told to be by noon or lose my kneecaps. Okay? <laughs> so we're going to roll here. Romans, Genesis 8, and... and in Genesis 8, Noah is, and them have come, in Genesis 9, Noah's coming off the, uh, off the ark. Genesis 8, the, the dove went out, came back. Everything's, the water's subsiding, it's going away. And the Lord, verse 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. It's very interesting. By the way, in verse 20, Noah gets off the boat there, he built, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That's why when somebody says that Noah just brought two of every kind, no, he did not. He brought seven of the unclean. Why? He had offerings to give, and they had to be accurate and appropriate, okay? Now, verse 22 is where I'm at. 22. While the earth remaineth. Now, what did he just say in verse 21? I'm never destroying this thing again, right? So, while the earth remaineth. So, how long is the earth going to remain? Forever. All right, the old's going to pass away, but there's a new one coming, a new earth. We've got some things that are going to be on the board here. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So, seed time, we call that spring, don't we? Then seed time and harvest, we call that fall, harvest, right? There's a summer in there, hot, we know what that is. Then we have a winter, and that's a cold, isn't it? So what you have here is you have the four seasons. I know we just started winter, and you got to go way up north to see the leaves change. And By the way, wintertime in, in the valley is license plates change colors and goes from regulars to winter visitors, I, even though that's going to change with the COVID, who knows, okay? The thing of it is, is notice what is given to us here. The nations that God created are going to begin to work on a cycle, a circle. Now, I put them this way because 
I got more board room than trying to write in a circle, and I don't draw in a circle anyway very well. So when you think about the cycle of the nations out there, this is going to work with everybody. Come over with me to Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Psalms 90 and verse number 10. Psalms 90, 10. The days of our years are threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is the strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. How long is your life supposed to last, according to that verse? Four score is 80 years. A score is 20 years. Four of them is 80. Right, math people? Last time I was in school, that was it. So you're going to live, you're supposed to, God says you're going to live at least 80 years. By the way, he said three score and 10, that's 70. But if by strength, how long? Another 10 years, 80, right? Well, what are, what's people doing today? They're living a little longer, aren't they? Because of medical and, and so forth. So what you have is you have springtime. I got cheat sheets, so just bear with me. All right? So spring, here's our youth, we call it. Right? Youth. There it goes, 0 to 20. Uh-oh. Change it. My minions don't let me down ever. Hulk let me down. All right, youth. All right? That's going to sit in our spring. By the way, in your Bible, there is no teenage years. There are no young adult years. You're either a child or an adult. That's what you are. You're a youth, youth. Or an adult, okay, for all of you the moviegoers, all right? Summertime. Here's what we call young adult, 21 through 40. Fall. Here's our midlife, 41 to 60. Wintertime. That's the eldership. Elders, 61 to 80, and in our case, well, Bob's case, he's 81, so he beat it, okay? Right? You're on borrowed time, my friend, okay? But see, that's how this is going to break out. So what I want you to see, come back over with me to Ephesians chapter 5, is when we talk about this stuff, we need to understand where we are at, all right? So when, when we're in spring... By the way, when you're a young person, what are you doing? You're learning, aren't you? All right? You got your seed time. You're laying in the seed. When you're a young adult, when you're 21, what do you think? You think you know everything, don't you? By the way, when you turn 40, you know what you think? You think you know everything. And guess what you've learned? If you've been honest with you, you don't know nothing yet. Okay? So what are you going to do? You begin to question what you're learning. You begin to question things. When you're in your midlife, you take the things that you've learned and you begin to apply them. In your midlife, from 40 to 60, this is your power stroke, the sociologists call it. This is when you're in your power. This is when you make the most money you've ever made in your life is in that 40 to 60. You are pushing. Your family's being raised. They're coming out. You're beginning to, you're beginning to come to, pre, to prominence. Right now in our country, the millennials are coming out of this and going into that. That's why their push is going on, Okay. Uh, the, Gen, the Gen Xers, that's me. I'm 50. All right? So we're moving. Okay? Somebody just rolled their eyes about me being 50. 
I know I look 30, but please, okay? All right. I look a lot older. Oh, gee, thanks. It's so good to have you back. When you're in your eldership, you know what you do? You sit on the front porch with the grandkids, and, and you remember, and you begin to teach, and you begin to, to educate. And the greatest group that gets abused is this group right here, neglected, not abused, neglected. Well, some of you, I'm going to abuse you, okay? I can see this morning's going to go real out of the out real fast. Ephesians 5, verse 16. Ephesians 5, 16. Notice this quickly here. Paul tells us, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? Wise. Oh, be wise about this. No matter where you're at in your age, you can understand things. In chapter 3, he tells, tells us over there, uh, chapter 3, verse number 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and to know the love. You can comprehend this. You can understand. If, listen, if I can, you can. Okay? Wonderful thing about Google and search engines and books that people have written. If I can get this up, you can too. It's not that difficult. But what, you know what happens is, let's be wise about what's going on today. Verse 16. Why? Redeeming the time... Because the days are what? What you see going on in this country, whether you agree with it, disagree. I said last week, somebody says, you really don't care what I think? I do care what you think. That was an expression, okay? I do care. But when you see what's going on around the world today, the days are what? Evil. It's evil what's happening, okay? And you know what you can do? We are to do what in that verse? Redeem the time. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So then the question is, okay, Rick, if we're to be redeeming the time, then what's the, and the will of the, what the will of the Lord is, well, what's that? Hey, glad you asked. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Your Bible never leaves you without an answer to the question. You just got to get in and study and get in there and dig it up a little bit. First Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 3. Start in verse, verse 1. Let's just start in verse 1. I, exert, I, exert, I, blah, blah, blah. I exhort, therefore, that... What's those next three words? First of all, the first thing I'm exhorting you, local church, to do, Paul says, 1 Timothy 2, 1, is supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? How many men? Just the ones I like. Just the ones that agree with my political stand. No, it says all men. The first thing he tells that local assembly to do, the local church to do, is you're to be praying for everybody. Isn't that wonderful? Not, giving, not, not going down there social justicing them. What? I don't, what'd that verse say? First of all, do what? Supplications, very specific items. Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. How are you doing on that one? How would you do on that one when the president was not your president as far as the one you voted for? How are you doing on that when, you're govern when the governor of this great state wasn't the governor you voted for? Do you give thanks for them? Do you pray for them? That book right there says you better be, buddy. 
We'll talk about government and politics next week, hopefully, if we get through today. <laughs> okay? See, folks, it's, why? This is not our home. We're just what? We're just moving through it. We're his ambassadors. We're, an ambassador is what? A foreign governmental spokesman, right? We speak for the kingdom of God. We don't speak for the United States. We live in the United States. So as you live in the United States, you know what Paul's going to tell you, by the way, Romans 13? You better be a good citizen of that country you live in because you're representing me. You're not representing a political party or a thought or an ideology. You're representing the king of kings, the lord of lords, the potentate of potentators. The potentator part's my makeup, okay? You got to know Ray Stevens. Come on now. I grew up with it in the house, so. Look, folks, we are his ambassadors. And what's the message? Verse 3, here's the message. For this, I'm I'm sorry, verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority. Notice that next word, that. Do you know why you pray for all men? You know why you pray for the folks in government? That ye may live a what? Quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. If you took that viewpoint with our government, you know what you would have? A peaceable life. A little divine perspective on how to interact with the government around us. It's, it's fascinating to me. Peaceable, quiet, and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. What is the will of the Lord? If we're to redeem the times and we're to be doing the will of the Lord, what is it in that verse 4? Have all men be saved, and then what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth of the word of God rightly divided. So the sound doctrine, sound words, sound practices so that they can grow, so that they can then turn and do verse 1 and verse 2. And they, that's the goal of the local assembly right here. That's who he's talking to. Local assembly, here's what you guys are to do. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You, you and I, whereunto I am ordained... I'm a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. When God says you're to redeem the times, you're to know what's going on, folks, this is what God's doing today. This is what we ought to be about, period. Okay? Now, in that, you got a whole bunch of doctrine about interacting with one another. Romans 14, you got it, all, all of the, the stuff that works in there. But here's the, this is the foundation. We need to be here. But in order to do this, we need to be aware of what, where we're at on the cycle in the country. In springtime, you're going to grow. Your, your focus in your youth is outward. You're focused on the establishing new things. You're focusing on getting going. When I turned 16, the greatest day of my life was when I went down to the MVD and got my driver's license. When my daughter turned 16, I said, you want to go get your driver's license? She said, no, Dad, you'll just take me. I'm like, huh? Say what? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> 
I think you're going to get your license. No, what different mentality, why? Different generations, different way of thinking about things. In the summer, you begin to come awake. You'll wake up. You begin to, to look around and you begin to develop and you begin to think about things and you, and you begin to question things that you've been taught in your youth. Think about this. Think about it in your life. Then you come into the fall, and the fall, you, you th- what happens in the, what ha- what's happening right now up north? I said it a minute ago. The leaves are doing what? They're, cha- they're falling, aren't they? They're dying. In the fall, there's decay. There's awake and growth. Now in the fall, you begin to decay. Things begin to break down. They begin to fall apart, don't they? What happens in the winter? In the cold, everything begins to die. There's death. The old goes away. Things begin to move away. See? Now, in the cycle for the nations, the most critical time is the winter time. Because what does the farmer do in the winter time? Well, he sits down, does up his books, but he gets ready for what? For spring. And it's in the wintertime when things are dying. He's not out in the fields working. He's up at the tool shed working on the tractors, getting them ready. But now he's making, he's going to make some, he's going to decide some things about what he's going to do in the springtime. What is he going to plant in the springtime, in the seed time? Well, are we going to plant corn? Are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Are we going to do anything? What's going to happen? Because what he decides in the wintertime is what's going to get planted in the spring. It's what he's going to take care of and toil over in the heat of summer to be able to harvest in the fall. What he decides here impacts those three right there. You with me? Okay. Is this easy? This ain't hard. But you've got to read books written by PhDs to figure this stuff out, right? No. Just read Genesis 8. It's right there. I did. <laughs> okay. In the summer, in the spring, and in the fall, you're not in the, see, you're not in the cycle where you can change anything about what's being harvested. Why? The seed's in the ground, the water's pumping, it's growing, and what's going to happen? Well, I wanted to plant strawberries when there's watermelons in the field. Well, they're all vine. I thought it was a vine. It's a vine. I just put it out there. And they look at it. Well, I don't want watermelons. Dig them up. It's too late to do that. Wintertime is where you make the decisions that you will execute in the spring, and then you reap all the way down through the fall. Okay? Some characteristics real quick of the spring. Springtime. What happens in the springtime? Everything's upbeat, isn't it? There's, uh, there's new growth. Everything's outward. The plants are going on. The decisions that you made in the winter, you're beginning to implement now into the summer. And you know what? There's also a little thing called war that happens in the springtime. And in the, in the springtime, in the wars, when those begin to happen, you know what happens in those wars? Have you ever heard of the Korean War? That ha- war happened... 
in the springtime of this country in this turning. Was there a decisive winner in the Korean War? No. That's a springtime war. Carries no decisive winner at all. It's actually, there's no victor. In the springtime, governmental institutions begin to strengthen. Civil power begins to come in and take over. Individuals' liberties and, and rights uh, become, become less and less. People, the society begin to look and say, let's build, let's go. Why? It's springtime, man, let's get going. You know, the birds and the bees and everybody's out and pumping. Let's go, let's go. And they begin to forget about things. When you come to the summertime, the summertime, everybody goes on what? Vacation. So you know what you have? You have the riots and the revolutions of the 60s. You have the Woodstock happened in the summertime. You have things like the summer of 69, you know. You get all the Bob Dylan songs and everything, you know. But by the way, what was going on in the summertime? Which war? Do you remember? Vietnam. Was there a clear winner and loser in Vietnam? Depends on who you ask. Depends on who you read. But, but historically, there was not one. Okay? All right? Fall. In the fall time, individuals get strong. The institutions that were growing and booming in the spring, they become weaker and weaker. This is the culture wars that we saw just a few years ago. Okay? You have a conscious revolution, they call it. Oprah is now kingpin. Dr. Phil, Phil Donahue, all those guys are summer into fall people. You know what Oprah did? She said, you're your God. You figure out what you want. Your spirituality is your decision. Individuals get the power. Institutions are going away. Wintertime, death. The old is done away with. You begin to see wars here that are decisive. So here's some wars of the winter. Does anybody remember the War of the Roses? 1469 to 1487. Come on now, let's get back on your world history here. How about the Armada, Armada crisis? The Spanish Armada, the greatest naval base, naval in the world at the time. And for some odd reason, a fog comes in over the English Channel, and the Brits win the day. Now, if you read the history books, God did that. We know better, but that's what they, okay? You have the, what's called the glorious... Revolution. That's in when James II is unseated by Mary II in the great battle on the on the continent for Britain and between the between Scotland and Bloody Mary and all that stuff was going on. It's called the Glorious Resolu uh, Revolution. Then you've got the American Revolution. Was there a clear winner there? Hoorah! All right. How about the Civil War? 
Good winter there. All right. Then you have the Great Depression and WW2. Was there a clear winter in WW2? Yeah. And then you have today. They're not too sure yet how we end today. So what they say is, and what we have to do then, is then we have to go back to the previous winter to see what was going on to catch what the next spring was going to look like. Do you follow that? So we see the American Revolution. We look at what was going on in the country then. Well, actually, the Civil War. Let's use that one. Okay? So that we can go see what the next springtime was after the Civil War. Do you know what happened after the Civil War? Carpetbaggers. Reconstruction. They call it Gilead. Mark Twain termed that as the Gilead Age and, and coming out and birth and this new, new nation is coming together. Lincoln saved the day and boom and all this, this, this everybody's in power now and the government is going and now we're on a centralized, okay, got that? I'll get a, I try not to give you a history lesson. Then we had the third, what's called Great Awakening. Then we had World War I. This is spring, this is summer, this is fall. Was there a great world, was there a definitive winter in World War I for us? No. We were just on the sidelines helping out at the very end of it. Then we had the Great Depression come in in World War II. This goes right here for the winter. Yes, sir. This one? Third Great Awakening. All right. Now, Third Great Awakening, <laughs> where is that at? Third Great Awakening, I'm 1886. Third Great Awakening, in each of these turns till here, there was what is called in history a Great Awakening. Have you heard of Jonathan Edwards? He was part of the Great Awakening. How about John Knox? Yeah, Great Awakening. I'm looking here. After the Third Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards, those guys, the Great Awakenings were the spiritual issues were on the table. Your Bible, King James Bible, was prominent. The great revivals in this country happen right here. After World War III, World War III, <laughs> World War II, okay, <laughs> hey, come on now, all right, woo, all right, after World War II, you ready, the springtime here is called the American High. What happened in America after World War II? <clears throat> Baby boomers. <clears throat> Ba-boom. American high. Come home. Who was the president at the time? Do you remember? Eisenhower. We like Ike. Exactly. What is he going to do? Everybody gets a pot and a chicken in it. <laughs> that wasn't him, but 
Two cars in every garage, exactly. So what do we got? We got economic. By the way, economics, your money runs on this cycle all day long. You want to know when the next boom bust is coming? By the way, it is coming. Just heads up, okay? The last bust in this country economically was 2008. You give it 20 years. If this stuff runs on a 20-year cycle, 2028, it's going to bust, and it's going to bottom out to zero, depending on what comes out of this and goes into that in this country. Civil War, last one. What, ha what was money like in the Civil War time? Nothing. The carpetbaggers moved in. They were paying less than a penny an acre. Less than a penny an acre in today's money. That means we don't want your, your old Confederate dollars. We want that Union greenback dollar. Well, wait a minute. See, it's a bump. But what here? goes there. American high. Summertime, instead of it being a great awakening, which you can go back and do, this is called conscience, consciousness revolution. Consciousness revolution from 1964 to 1984. Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey, the riots, free love, Woodstock, all that. Guess, guess who gets left out of the game? God, the Bible. Guess what's happening today? Because this is our summer, right? Now fall is culture wars. All right? And because of that, I'll quit scratching on the board now. Culture wars. What do we have... Participation children. Everybody gets a trophy. Culture wars. Nobody can be a loser. When, I, when my kids were little, I coached their soccer teams. I'd go up to the kid and I'd go, loser. And mom would go, wah! And I'd go, he is, because he's not doing right. And I would, oh. And then another mom would come by and she goes, thank you. He is a loser. And it was her kid. And it's her kid. I go, loser. But wrong hand, loser, you know. Why? Because they need to understand what is life. Win and lose. That's what life is. Come on, right? The cycle. You, you, you with me? Okay. Now, each of these cycles, spring, in the spring into summer, summer into fall, fall into winter, a chaotic event is what triggers the movement. Okay? What triggered the movement from the Great Depression, World War II, moved us into, everybody's good. Well, where'd they go? Here, American High. The conclusion of it. The guy kissing the girl on, uh, in the street there, the big picture and everything trigger. Now, what started our winter time was 9-11, 2001. That was a chaotic event. It was a crisis point. What happened after 9-11? A flagpole on every porch went up. The nation did what? Came together. The nation solidified and was, was, was with one with each other. Problem is, 
is we don't know what event it's going to be that's going to end the winter yet. If it goes 20 years, okay, 21 is coming. The election in November 3rd, some of the sociology guys who do this stuff says that is the trigger point to end the winter time and to move into the spring. So what decisions have been made in our country? Let's think about this. Do we have, what, because in wintertime, everything does what? Dies. Boy, if you can read that, you're good. That's why mine's typed out. Every, do we, in, right now, do we have a sweeping political realignment in this country right now? Yes, we do. You have a far right, you got a far left, and you got everybody else in the middle. You're going to end up with a split government is what's going to come. You think about the Civil War. That's our last great winter vision. If you want to know what this winter looks like, go back and look at the Civil War. What did the Civil War do to this country leading up to it? I read a book about, it's called The President's War. It's about, it's about the six or seven presidents prior to the Civil War. They knew the Civil War was coming 40 years, 50 years before the Civil War showed up. And you know what those lousy suckers did? They kicked it down the road. And you know what Lincoln said to his benefit, and I'm not a big Lincoln guy, but to his benefit was the buck stops here. I'm stopping it. And I'm going to deal with it right here. Because they, you look at the presidents, they just kicked the can down. Oh, we ain't dealing with it. And they were appeasing the South, and they were doing different things. Now, the fight over slavery had been going on since day one in this country. Go read the history, okay? The thing is, is right now, what do we have politically in our country? A split, don't we? Do you know what, that, you know what a split in the, in the political parties brings about? A centralized government. Think about the Civil War. Did the state's rights go out the window? Yeah. It became the issue of federal at the, at w, in Washington, D.C. Look at, look at it. It's coming, folks. That's what's happening right now. We have a two-party system. Do you know that in prior to the Civil War, there was like eight parties in our country? Amazingly different. Split. Economically, what's happening? The economy's fundamentally changed. It's consolidated. You know, it's fascinating to me that they, they view the strength of our economy based on the stock market, on something that's not real. It's all speculation. It's all paper. And that's the strength of our economy. It's going to fall apart. How about the rise in public confidence? How's your confidence level in the public establishments? Good or bad? Bad, isn't it? Look at the attack on the police department. Just look at that issue alone. Oh, my goodness. Because what's happening? Institutions are dying off. Look at our health care system. When, what President Obama did with the affordable health care, like it or not, I don't care about your political stance, but what he did was fundamentally change health care in this country forever. Well, it can be revoked. Baloney, it cannot be revoked. And you know why? Because the system is already entrenched into our country. It's already there. And you know how long it took to be there? Two years. 
the first, fed, the first court case that went up against the, the Affordable Care Act. It took three and a half years to work through this court system before it went before the, the Supreme Court, and they denied it. They, they voted it down. Okay? Justice Roberts, you remember all that. In three and a half years of that court case working way through, this country... We sat at a park on a church picnic talking about it, and a guy overheard us, came over, and chewed us out for being against it. Because you know what it did? It gave him free health care, so he thought, until I asked him what his premium was. It was $15,000. It's like, holy cow. It changed health care. What happened to the hospitals? The greatest... The greatest influence Christianity has ever had in this country is in the hospitals. They used to be Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, or Pentecostal, or I'm sorry, Methodist. You know what they are now? Corporate. That's all they are. What happened to them? My wife's company, they were a mom and pop shop for almost 30-something years she's worked for them. And you know what happened? Affordable Care Act kit. They couldn't survive on their own. They had to be bought out by a big, uh, a, a big conglomerate to survive. Folks, th institutions change. Now you look at the attack on the police departments, the service departments, fire, can't do this, that. It's, it's, it's like, what do you people think? Why? Where are we? We're in the winter, man. And you know we're making decisions? That in the springtime, when we get over there, you know what's going to happen? Uh-oh. Chaos is going to happen. The carpetbaggers are going to come in. Back up here. Think about Civil War. Think about this, folks. Well, Rick, you're not preaching much Bible today. Yeah, but you got to think about it. It's right here in the book. What about good versus evil? They've become more sharply defined, haven't they? Yeah, look at the riots. Look at the What else is going on out there? Just think about this. When you look around, well, Rick, my 401k is booming. Yeah, mine is too. <laughs> I'm glad it's booming. You see, they've taken out the great awakenings. I didn't put them up here, but man... Every turn in the past, there's been a great revival of spiritual issues. The reason the Great Awakening isn't here, what do we do? Come over with me to 1 Timothy 3. Hang it on. I, I told myself not to get bogged down in all this, but it's here. You've got to see what's happening. You look around. The police departments, the attack on the institutions, those things, once they are done, they can never be redone, undone. Because our system, our society, grasp, boom, and on it. You look at the, the COVID stuff. Okay? Just think about COVID. Agree, disagree, I don't care. That's not my point. But look at what it did to our economy. Number one economy in the world. Finally took China and put China where they needed to be. So what did they do? They released the disease, a virus. <laughs> so the conspiracy people say. You'll never know, by the way, until you're way down the road looking back. And by then, hopefully, the Lord's come and we've gone home anyway. <laughs> okay? See, the thing of it is, is you think about what COVID did. It caused what? How, 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 how big was the unemployment? Uh, 20 million? Something like that? Big number, right? Okay, almost 30 million. Now what did that 30 million need? What did they need all of a sudden? 
pay the rent. Well, you can't evict them. Well, wait a minute. I'm a landlord. I got a mortgage bank that's telling me I got to pay the bill. And you mean I can't get my money out of them? What did that just do to the banking industry? It created a chaotic situation, by the way. You just didn't read about it because the Federal Reserve decided to bump three, four trillion dollars into the system to prep up, pop up the banks. Because if they didn't, you know what's coming? Great Depression. And they know it. Whew. Silent in the room. We need unemployment benefits. Who pays for the unemployment benefits? We do. Taxpayers do. Now they're making more money sitting at home watching Bob the Builder than out building and doing. Linda, bless her heart, Linda's work. They come back, they're all good. Governor Ducey opened up elective surgeries. They can't find enough nurses to go work. You know why? They're all sitting at home making more money than they were making on the job. Craziest thing you ever saw. It's like, holy cow. They don't have a lot of use for nurses. They have very specific ones, okay? The thing is, is what did it do the wintertime? It just made everything go nuts. Why? Because it's dying and it's dead. You think about the economic cycle, the baby boomers are retiring, or almost done retiring, actually. You know what happens? They begin to need and do, and there becomes a tax on the system that's doing what? Falling apart. The Gen Zers, the Gen Xers, that's me, we're catching up. We're trying to catch up. <laughs> we're, the, we're the lazy generation, by the way. No? Okay. All right. She's not. I guess I am. So, things are collapsing. Things are moving. So what do we do? 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. What, what do we do in the wintertime? Well, it's noon, and I better be done, right? 1 Timothy verse, chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. You know what our function is to do? That verse right there. You know what? My dad always said, and I know he got it from somewhere, I just don't know where he cut. When the money runs out, people get very basic. And when the money runs out, you know what, you know what they start looking for? Answers. And who's the only answer? The Lord is. So we need to be the pillar, and we need to be the ground of the truth. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Folks, we need to be about doing the work of the ministry. We need to be standing there as the pillar and the ground of the truth. We need to be holding forth the word of God rightly divided. A, that's why when those five things come on there. A gospel you can believe, right? A Bible you can understand, a study, you get it? A Bible you can trust, a study you can understand, a life you can go live. When we boom, that's what we need to be about. Why? Because the people about us, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for help. They're looking for answers. And I'm going to tell you what, just as Peter and those guys told that, that beggar outside of the temple in Acts chapter number 3, I don't have money I to give you, but what I do got you, to, what I do got, what I do have to give you will, will be way more better, more better than any of that. 
and they healed him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, but you and I are going to give them the gospel. <laughs> okay? Follow that? Be the ground, the pillar. Hold this bad boy up and say, you want help? Here it is. And we give them spiritual help first. When COVID hit, we had three, a couple families here say, Rick, we need some help. And I said, come to the church building. We've got the, the food pantry in the back. And they're like, cool. They came. They cleaned it out. Three families. I'm like, good. Good. Then they're like, oh, but we need help with, you know, the perishable stuff. Because while we had, we didn't have it. And I said, good. I got some things under here for you. And we handed them out. <laughs> and they were gift cards. So I got to talking to the powers that be, you know, Linda and the ladies, and uh, said, you know what, let's not do the food anymore, let's do gift cards, it's easier, people can go and do and function and get what they like instead of, yeah, how, how many green beans can you really eat? A lot, if that's all you got, see, all right? You see, you get real basic when things begin to come down, and you know what we need to be? The pillar and the ground of the truth. I told you 2 Timothy, right? Oh, man. I know on your paper you got other verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just look there real quick. Uh, you know what? Just go to 2 Timothy 4. Let's just do this. And 2 Timothy 3. Let's do that one. 2 Timothy 3. The local assembly. There are three issues at the local assembly on a very basic issue that are going to function and perform. 1 Thessalonians 1, from you sounded out the word of the truth. Okay? The first position, the first job of the local church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, is to be a sounding board out for the truth into the community, a pillar and the ground of the truth. Okay? So there's an outward working of here's the truth. All right? The second pillar it's over there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, and it's to be a place where you are going to comfort one another, a place of comfort, a place you can come and come out of the world and have a Garden of Eden experience, if you will, of comfort and protection. Acts chapter number 20, Paul says, when I leave you guys, grievous wolves are going to come in, and they're going to come in from within and from without, and they're going to ransack you guys, and I'm charging you with protecting the flock. There's a protection there, a comfort there, see? And those are the three issues that the local assembly is to be about. Sound out the word, rightly divided. Here's the truth. Here's the King James Bible. Woo, get fired up by it. And let's protect it. And let's have the inward ministry of bearing one another's burdens, coming along and being there with each other, for each other. And then a place of protection. And in the wintertime, I'll be honest with you, that's what we need to be doing. By the way, we've been doing it all along. We have here. When you look around, you know what's going to happen? They're going to come and knock on the door one day and say, hey, you can't meet. Sell your building to us, or we're going to eminent domain it, and you're going to lose it. You know what we're going to say? 1 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, sorry. You know what we're going to say? Okay. We'll sell it. We want $20 million. Woo! Put it in the bank. Why? Because now we're going to start having a meeting on the East Valley. We'll have a meeting in the West Valley, a South Valley, a North Valley. We'll, we'll start meeting where everybody's meeting. So now Rick's got to get out there and get down there and do it. See? 
or the guy who's got to get out and do it, whoever. And you know what we do? We adjust to what we're doing. You know what proved that? COVID did. Churches can't meet, can't sing, can't get together, can't do this. So what did we do? We live streamed anyway all the time, so we just kept doing that. But other churches had to learn how to do that. What, you know what's happening? That your First Amendment is gone, folks. Now listen to me. You have no freedom of speech. It's gone. You know why? Because if you say something that I disagree with, then you know what you are? And the names start flying. That's not free speech. Your, the freedom of the press has been gone a long time. What's the next one in that list? Freedom of religion. Do you realize that if you stand on the corner and you try to tell somebody about Christ dying for their sins, that they, will, they can call the police and have you arrested? Those rules are being changed. They're being altered on the books as we stand here and speak today. You know how you know it? Watch what you see the YouTubes and the Facebooks of what they're doing to churches. They're not even looking at us. We're nothing. They're after the, the MacArthur's and the big guys because they can make an example out of them. And you know what happens to the little churches? Uh-oh, if they can do it to them, what can they do? They can do it for us. So you know what we're going to do? We're just not going to do anything. And you know what I say? Pfft, we're doing it. November meeting's happening. We'll set up out front. We'll have temperature station to check your temperature. And what are you doing that for? So that the neighbors leave us alone. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. See, folks, it's, it's, it's changing because it's the winter time. 2 Timothy 3, 15, 14, 12, 11, 10, no, 12. Yea, and all that will live godly shall in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Notice that verse carefully. Yea, all that will. A choice of your will. Folks, there's going to come a test in your life where you're going to have to decide to live for Christ or not. It's coming. Bigger than you've ever had it in your life. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, he's talking about believers in the passage. But when you look at around the world, oh, my goodness, even Bible believers are being deceived. I get email from people all the time. Well, Rick, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And it's like, oh, my goodness, you're a Bible believer. I don't write that back to them. I say, it in, I say a lot of stuff to the screen. Like, oh, my goodness, you know better. Now watch verse 14. First word, but. Uh-oh. Come on, Paul. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast, notice, learned them. That's what we have to do. In the wintertime, the push is going to continue to be toward joining the group. You see the stuff about the Black Lives Matter, and you say all lives matter, and you get beat up and arrested and all this. Why? You have to do what? Join the group. Join the mob. Okay? That's why I said freedom of speech is gone, folks. It's, it's not there anymore. The push is to join the group. That pushes to want to be a part of the group. 
And when you allow the winter time, the season, the flow to push you around, in the springtime you're going to be defeated. Because the chaos just leads to more chaos. So what are we going to do? But thou, continue. I love that verse 14. Just stick you. Boom. Continue in the things that, man, continue in the things that you've learned. So you know what you got to do? you got to unplug from the season. Unplug from winter. Unplug from what you see running around out there. Now, that doesn't mean you go stick your head in the stand and don't pay attention to what's going on. Because you still got to live. But how about do Romans 15 verse 2 where you renew your mind day by day? Let's do that. Let's unplug from that and plug into reading three chapters a day. Get plugged into the season of your life. Where are you? What you should be doing. If you're an elder age group, you know who you ought to be helping? Those three other groups ahead of you. You know why? Because you've been there, done that. You've got some experience. If you're up here in the youth, you should keep your mouth shut and pay attention to everybody else. Young, you, you, young people there, you better be quiet. Here, you better really be quiet and then listen, you know, okay? You know, you understand. Plug into where you're at. Walk in the wisdom that you have, okay? And I'll be honest with you. Finally, you need to get over yourself. You really do. What does Paul say? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. He looks over there in Philippians 1, verse 21, and he says, For to me, for me, to live is, make sure my bank account's full, everybody's fit. No, is to what? It's Christ. Isn't that? And then to go and die is great, but man, to live is Christ. Let's have that attitude. Let's have that thinking. Let's be the local church that we're to be all the time. Now, 2 Timothy 4. You ready? Sorry, Linda. Are you ready? Verse number 2. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be instant. Where? In season. And where? Out of season. In season. When it's popular to preach. When it's safe to preach. When everybody loves you because you're preaching. Out of season. They don't like you no more. They want to kill you. Out of season for preaching. The word. Reprove, rebuke, the rest of that list. Out of season. They don't want to hear the Bible. They want to take God out of the, the Pledge of Allegiance and off the money. They want to remove God completely. By the way, you know, prayer in school, you know what prayer they're going to put in there, don't you? The National Prayer of the Roman Catholic Church. That's the prayer. So prayer, by the way, every time there's a test, God's getting prayed to. Dear Lord, help me answer these questions. <laughs> and, he, and you know what his answer is? F. Nope. <laughs> Fat chance, turkey. You should have studied. No, out of season. Folks, you know where we're at? We're in the out-of-season point. You know what we need to do? Preach the word. I said it last week. I, I know guys in the ministry. They're over here boohooing and woeing as me. 
And I sit there and I go, no, don't do that. Well, you got to show people you're hurt too. They know you're hurt. You're just like them. Come on. What do we do? We stand there and we say, we're the pillar and the ground of the truth. Here it is. Beep, 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 beep. That's why I love that song, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. Why? Because we're that lighthouse out there, okay? All right, we'll carry on next time. Heavenly Father, forgive us this day and forgive our daily bread. (laughs) It just, you know how it goes, you know. Why bother? Uh, go back to school, didn't I? All right. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the folks and their patience to sit and to learn and the, their desire to know. And Lord, I just pray that as we do go, that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds and that we would again in the end give you the honor and the glory and, and, the, uh, the, and everything that we say and, and everything that we do so that at the end we can say, as Paul would say, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We can have that be our mantra. We can have that be our cry, our battle cry. As we look around us and see the world falling apart, but yet we really know that ultimately one day you'll put it all back together for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's stick.